Welcome to the Happy Mouth Podcast, your delicious daily news fix for the hospitality community. We will be offering a craveable menu of headlines, food for thought, and much, much more. These are the bite-sized news stories you need to know, and they'll drop every morning, Monday through Friday. Hello, world, and welcome back to the Tuesday edition of the Happy Mouth Podcast, your delicious daily news fix for our beloved hospitality community. I'm restaurateur Philip Camino, and I'm here, as always, with my lovely co-host, friend, partner in crime, very talented executive chef, Nisha Arrington. What do we have for him, Johnny? (laughs) (laughs) Happy to be here, PC. Oh, so good. How's your Tuesday been thus far? Well, my Tuesday has been pretty spectacular so far. Try to have a spectacular day every day, just doing the life things. Tacos tonight? Um, Hopefully. Probably a mushroom one. You guys know 1986. I'm about that lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tacos 1986. Yes. Also, Tito's Tacos is delicious. But yeah, big taco fan. What's your favorite old school like Mexican place in LA? Taco it- Bell. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Old school taco place. Del Taco. A little place called La Cabana. Oh. Venice. I have fond memories of that. They have a little like mariachi band. And, Do they really? Yeah. Every night? To be honest, I haven't been there probably since post-COVID. Uh, but that was my go-to spot back in the day. It's like super old school and like a little like dim lit. Just there's like a tortilleria. Oh, cool. Lady like making the tortillas in the dining room basically. Fucking love that. Yeah, man. It's so great. And then the beaches down the street. So vibes all around. So there's a mariachi band pre-pandemic was there every night. Like you went in, there was live music. Yeah, live music. <laughs> amazing. Dressed to the nines. I've like, never been. Yeah. Well, let's go. Anytime. Does it have to be a Tuesday though? No, it could be any day of the week okay. and or all of them. And don't have to order tacos. You can order anything. Do they deliver tacos? They can you, do. They do, yes. huh? Yes. Uh, okay. I wonder if they're contemplating a ghost kitchen. They could very well crush that whole market. Yeah, that's one of those items that's very deliverable. I Oops. think they're, you know, if you're in that game, if you're in the Tacos 1986 yes. delivery kind of QSR Mexican uh, food game, I mean, that stuff delivers really well, travels really well. I think there's a lot of insulation in that particular variety of cuisine. We're going to talk today about some uh, interesting other types of cuisine and other companies that are making some moves in the cloud kitchen space. Yeah, we are. And one in particular, an LA-based company called C3 that we're going to talk about today, aren't we? We definitely are PC. (laughs) That is me. That is you and I am I. (laughs) So happy Tuesday again, guys and gals out there. Today, PC and I will be chatting about the recent funding that has been making some waves. And company C3, also known as Creating Culinary Communities, great name, has recently raised, listen to this, guys, $80 million in a Series B funding round. Boom. Nice raise. We'll be covering what C3 is, what they do, and what this funding means for the community of Cloud Kitchen. And in general, this direction of where delivery is going. Yes. uh, C3 owns and operates a variety of brands, including Umami Burger. Love me some Umami Burger. Yeah. Crispy Rice. And uh, also Sam's Crispy Chicken, which is a ghost kitchen. And in total, C3 has 
40 virtual brands to offer along with the newly launched app called Citizen Go that will be highly utilized by guests. Yeah, C3 is an interesting one. It's a extension of Sammy Boy Entertainment, which is uh, Sam Nazarian, who's a very prominent uh, Los Angeles restaurateur, nightlife empresario, uh, has been in the game out here for quite a long time and, and more recently has started to build this idea that you can, if you have brands and if you have multiple brands in different types of cuisine and different variety of cuisine, you can kind of house them under one roof and take real estate using that leverage and also build the application that you just mentioned that sort of houses all these brands and allows consumers to enter into your delivery ecosystem uh, without having to go through some of the delivery partners like Postmates and Grubhub. They can actually circumvent that ecosystem, which is much more expensive for a restaurateur and allow you to have a direct-to-consumer conversation. D to C. D to C. So recently, C3 partnered with Chowley, which is a point-of-sale integration company. And this allows Chowley and their more than 10,000 partners across the country to access C3's virtual brands, which Naisha just listed. Essentially... Partners of Chally now generate other revenue streams by allowing C3's virtual brands to work out of their kitchens. And they want to bring the business model to more kitchens across the country. Chally plus C3 means great expansion for virtual brands. And the plan is to expand to C3's brands to um, smaller markets and making them available for about 10,000 U.S. clients. So the deal is interesting. It was done through Brookfield Asset Management and Reef Technology. And C3, through those partners, garnered around $80 million in the Series B raise. So the co-CEOs of Silver Lake Partners were also investors. And then Dean Adler, co-founder of uh, Lubert Adler, which is a real estate investment firm, also invested in C3. So obviously, there's some recognition from the larger national asset management and real estate communities seeing this business, this idea of housing multiple brands under one roof as a viable play for the long term. And you're starting to see companies who are well capitalized, who have national reach, step in and and support companies like C3 in their expansion across the country. Yes. With this money, C3 is planning to expand to 12,000 locations by 2023. This will be... That's huge. That's definitely not a little number. No, 12,000 locations. is That puts you up in the category of like Chipotle, like you're literally like that size. Totally. It's huge. Yes. They'll be leasing an assortment of hospitality and retail spaces, open food halls, and also actual physical locations uh, for the virtual restaurants. And C3 is capitalizing on this trend to host kitchen space. Yeah. As you can see, C3 has been making moves. They plan to open a 40,000 square foot food hall at Brookfield Manhattan West in NYC. So you can see that, you know, Brookfield Asset Management getting involved. There's obviously a strategic relationship there. They're right. going to do an investment deal and then also place this concept into, you know, one of their developments in New York. It makes a lot of sense. Right. And they also agreed to acquire a 24,000 square foot food hall in Atlanta by 2022. Right around the so corner. by next year. So looking at this idea of taking your brands not only having the application where people can find you digitally, but also then building out physical spaces as well. And we talked about this off air, a lot of economies of scale there. Makes a lot of sense to have five or six brands in the same retail foothold. If you're going to lease some space, 
it makes a lot more sense to amortize, um, you know, four or five brands over the least cost. And the thing that's not really spoken about in, in this whole equation is that once you start to get to a point where labor costs are increasing to the point that they are, your prime cost gets thrown out. Like I heard on a pod the other day, Kevin Baum, who runs Boca, is talking about 38 or 40% really being the new 30% in terms of labor costs for a restaurant, yeah. that being the new reality. So in order to keep your prime cost in an acceptable, profitable range, you're going to have to knock down those cogs. And this is one of those strategies of, okay, well, if I have four or five brands and we all buy together and we have economies to scale based on that purchasing power, mm. and I've got a 40,000 square foot food hall and a 24,000 square foot food hall and 12,000 other locations, all of a sudden it makes it a lot easier for you as a big national buying entity Absolutely. to shave those cogs down to 22, 23% just by not really by even doing anything differently, just by negotiating well, right? right? Going to US Foods or Cisco, whoever you're dealing with and saying, look, do you want these millions of dollars of sales? You can have them, but you got to, you know, you got to play ball a little bit. And I think that's as these guys look at it through a macro lens, you know, they're starting to say, okay, well, labor's going up. There's no stopping that. Right. We have to take care of the employee. People aren't coming back to these jobs unless they're paid more, unless they're compensated more. That's going to drive the entire cost of labor up. There's two other levers, obviously, in the profitability model. One of them is, of course, COG. So we just talked about how to drive that down. Yes. And then the lease cost. You know, if you're putting a, you know, your food hall, and you're putting four or five of your six or eight or 10 of your brands into that, the per capita cost of that lease is going to be a lot lower. So you might be able to get lease costs in there for two, three, four percent instead of eight, nine, 10. Hmm. Right. And so all of a sudden you're, you're going, okay. And what you've also done is you've taken out that 25 to 30% that's going to Postmates or GrubHub, right? You're sort of talking to the customer directly and they're in your ecosystem or they're coming to your food hall. All of a sudden you've circumvented a lot of the kind of expensive parts of delivery that single unit or, you know, the guy that has two or three or a girl who has two or three units, just they just can't do that because they don't have the scale. Makes sense. I mean, C3 also recently started their Citizens Go app, which lets customers order from multiple virtual brands in one order, which is awesome. It's incredible. It's a super smart idea. Yeah. I mean, because it's not everyone wants to eat the same thing all the time. So if I can get tacos and also a cheeseburger, kind of works. Yeah, that whole play, I believe, is designed to keep people off of Postmates. Like if you know that the C3 app has every type of cuisine and you like it and it's of high quality, if you are craving a burger, you're just going to go into the C3 app and get an umami burger because there's A, a lot of variety within that brand and B, it's a very good burger. And if you're craving maybe sushi instead, well, there's crispy rice, right? And then you got Sam's chicken. It, there's like almost for every sort of day part and type of cuisine that someone might be craving. They're trying to fill that void and get them into their ecosystem, get them off Postmates. Yeah, it's a very smart, strategic play. Yeah, totally. Reef, which invested in C3, has also been growing. In November, it raised $700 million Boom. to increase its number of locations from 4,800 to 10,000. That's a lot of locations. Totally is. With that expansion, it actually allows more opportunity to utilize the market. And C3 also has been able to execute these deals with graduate hotels and a car living, placing hybrid delivery and ghost kitchens in different sectors. Again, super smart, strategic, kind of has this macro national scope in mind. And I know not everyone thinks about these issues or these problems on a national scope. But, you know, I think it's important for us to highlight this type of thinking and this type of expansion, because this is going to impact everyone. If 
C3 is going into 12,000 locations nationally and you're a single unit operator, even in a smaller tertiary market, you're going to be competing against these guys. Totally. Right? And they're well capitalized, as you can see, just raising a bunch of money and they're bigger than you are. So you have to understand that this is coming and it's another competitor for you as a, even if you only have one, two, three units, like something to be considerate of Absolutely. if you have delivery model in one of these categories, like you are going to have some competition that maybe you didn't have before. So thinking about that. Um, should we pay some bills here? Yeah, let's do it. Having trouble staffing up? You're not alone. Our industry is facing an unprecedented labor shortage, and tech will play a central role in solving this problem. Yelp Kiosk was built in 2018 for restaurants who couldn't afford to pay a dedicated host. In 2021, Yelp Kiosk is supporting restaurants that want to do more with less. By adding Kiosk, your host is no longer trapped behind the host stand enabling them to assist in all front of house operations. Learn about how kiosks can help your restaurant at restaurants.yelp.com slash kiosk. C3 are not the only ones who have this idea of co-hosting kitchen spaces. Ordermark, which runs a virtual restaurant brand via Nextbyte, just garnered $120 million in funding this past October. So Ordermark's an interesting one. They also own and disseminate a technology that is proprietary to them. We use it as a couple locations where it essentially funnels all of your delivery apps and all the orders into one tablet. So mm. instead of you've got five or six partnerships, you don't have to have five or six tablets. Right. It's actually nice and it prints everything in a uniform way and it oh, gives beautiful. you reports. And yeah, it's a nice way of organizing all of the the kind of mess that can be delivery, you know, tablet. I've seen some kitchens where there's like six or seven tablets and people are going crazy. It just consolidates and makes it nice. But as you can see, again, you know, these guys who are further ahead in this game than most restaurateurs are, they're raising a ton of money. So there's obviously, this is a direction that the market's going to go. I think a lot of these ideas and thoughts are certainly ahead of where the day-to-day operators are thinking, but it's definitely happening. So Dickie's Barbecue Pit recently announced that it plans to add 100 ghost kitchens to its operations via partnerships with Combo Kitchen in a deal with Nathan's Famous Hot Dogs. I know. Franklin Junction will operate Arthur Teachers also out of 100 more ghost kitchens before 2022. Isn't Nathan's Famous the sponsor of the hot dog eating contest every 4th of July? (laughs) They are. Isn't that everyone's wearing like, yeah, everyone's wearing just heads nodding. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What's this guy's name? Joey Chestnut. And he does like, I think the record's like 77 hot dogs. Wow. How long does he get? 90 seconds, two minutes, something like that. Are you kidding me? No, it's insane. Like Joey Chestnut. Have you ever seen this on ESPN? not. It's fun to watch. Is that when they like dip it in water? Yes. Because you have to. Because there's so much bread. Yeah. It's like that old like dare where you like give someone a piece of bread and go you can't eat this in less than a minute without water yeah you can't so they dip it in bread to like you know obviously so it doesn't take up so much room in your stomach sure but yeah 70 i think the record's 77 so yeah i hey it's it's entertainment so ghost kitchens are happening they are they are an ever-growing trend i mean it wasn't you see the interesting dialogue because i mean in restaurant spaces right you in the early days, opposed to even takeout, like the idea of restaurant takeout, like the idea of service and dining in the restaurant and having that full experience. And then, you know, the growing trend of people taking that food into their home. And then in a post-COVID world, definitely accelerated the idea of takeout. And 
the idea of ghost kitchens. I mean, people have a lot more options these days to uh, be a part of a food business. Absolutely. And during COVID, we've said this on the pod a number of times, more people got onto apps. I mean, there was a lot of people that pre-pandemic weren't ordering any delivery, but the pandemic really accelerated this. And I think you're starting to see as companies report their not only restaurant company results, which obviously are pointing towards delivery being a more important part of that revenue ecosystem, uh, you're starting to see deals like this and on a macro level, just trends going into the direction of delivery is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. So this is like a mobilization, I believe, around delivery being a big part of what this business does for the next 20, 30 years. Sure. And technology just in general. I mean, the addition of tech in, in the food space is really opening up some amazing opportunities. Yeah, we talk about this a lot. I I think technology in this way is where it's going to go. I still don't believe that you're going to have robots in restaurants seating people or, you know, from a kiosk. Yeah, or flipping or, you know, that flippy burger, you know, burger flipper robot. I just don't see that being integrated as much. I still think there's going to be an absolute human element into these businesses and there's going to be more of them. So on a macro level, I don't see there being a decline in the number of restaurant workers required, but there is going to be a lot more technology in these environments. You're going to have more tablets. You're going to have more people going into applications. You're going to have to interact with technology more in the restaurant environment. And I think for this type of cuisine where you're talking about things like you know, Mexican food, sushi, Sam's chicken, like that type of food that's very deliverable and packageable and can sit in a car for 60 minutes and still be fine on the other end, that's not going anywhere, right? And we're just going to have to get used to the fact that that is something that's going to be a part of the system and something that is going to be in the marketplace for years and years to come. And we're just going to have to understand that and work work with it. Totally. And just to finish off the thought there, I, I also believe that Postmates for the end consumer with the delivery fees and with everything in, it really jacks up the price of individual orders for the customer, mm. right? And if a company like C3 or one of these other, you know, cloud kitchen companies that that's expanding nationally can figure out a way to reduce that cost of delivery to the customer, that's going to be a very easy way to market themselves and get people into their ecosystem. Because, you know, you order something on Postmates for book value costs 70 bucks. Next thing you know, you're looking at, you know, close to $100. Easily. Right? Absolutely. For something to be delivered to you. So I think there's a few ways for this to grow. And I think it will because they're going to figure it out. There's too much money at stake. There's 330 million people who all eat every single day in this country. There's a lot of competition for that food dollar. And anytime you've got this much inertia around a new technology, around something that people consume three, four times a day, it's going to get figured out. And that's all for our bite-sized news coverage today. You can find us at happymouthpodcast.com as well as restaurants.yelp.com backslash happymouth or your favorite podcast app, as well as Instagram. Definitely follow us on Instagram, like, share, comment, and we'll see you next time. Enjoy your day and have a happy mouth.